I'm Adam Ravenport. Welcome to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm a little nervous today, not going to lie. Uh, in studio, we have a podcast kingpin, <laughs> a titan of the industry. Sure. <laughs> sure, he says. In the past year on his podcast, WTF, uh, he's interviewed everyone from Keith Richards to President Barack Obama in his garage in Los Angeles. And I'm I'm assuming he likes to eat, does so every day. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Marin. Hi. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Good intro, man. You don't understand. So, like, there's a lot of people who sort of nerd out on your show. And I was on Thanksgiving break, and I was literally going for, like, a run. I was like, oh, man, I got to work on my intro. Or I got to work. What am I going to talk to Mark about? If I fuck this up, he's going <laughs> to think he's going to judge me. And, like, there's no, a lot of pressure. No, no, that's not true. Um, But you do eat. You mentioned uh, you cooked Thanksgiving dinner last week. Yeah, I do it every year. Like, I go down to my mother's, and I do a thing. I mean, I can cook. Uh, I'm not a schooled chef in any way, but I think I have a knack for it. Like I have a sense of it and I've thought about that a lot. So I will cook the entire Thanksgiving dinner pretty much. I do the turkey. I do the stuffing. I do the sweet potato thing, the mashed potatoes. I did Brussels sprouts this year, just roasted them. I made the cranberry sauces, but I did the gravy, but I don't change it up too much. You know, it's pretty steady. And who, who are you cooking for? There's about 20 this year. 20? Yeah. And you cooked all of that for 20? I did. I I got a system where I go in, like on Wednesday, I'll prep the sweet potatoes. I'll do the mashed potatoes completely. Wait, then, wait, wait, wait. You're doing the mashed potatoes a day ahead? I, I have been. Wow. What I'll do is, because that's sort of a time eater, and to sort of time it out right to do that thing where boil you them. mash them. Mm-hmm. So what I've done is I'll generally, I'll cook the potatoes, and, I'll, and I don't do, I don't, it's not that complicated. I'll put a little milk, a stick of butter, salt, and pepper, and that's it. So I'll get them into a nice consistency, and then I'll put them in a baking dish, and I'll just put it in the fridge. And then on, on the day of Thanksgiving, I take them out first thing in the morning, get them to room temperature, and then try to, you know, I'll reheat them so they get reheat all the way through. And I'll throw them in the bowl again and hit them with a little milk and a little butter yeah. and salt them properly and mix it again. And I can't, there's no difference. And you're doing this at your house or your mom's? My mom's. So you're a 52-year-old man and you, yeah. still, you still go to your mom's for Thanksgiving. It's the only day I go to my mother's. <laughs> are, there any, are there any sort of Jewishisms that you weave into the Thanksgiving meal? Other than most of the people being <laughs> annoying <laughs> Jewish people? Yes, that. No, there, there's plenty of that. There, there's no question <laughs> The Jewishism is inherent. It is not uh, within the cuisine itself. No, that's not true. My my Aunt Barbara has uh, maintained and uh, and is the keeper of my Grandma Goldie's chopped liver recipe, which is pretty Ooh. specific, and she does it well. So there's a little trip to childhood through that. So you'll uh, do that during a cocktail hour? Yeah. She'll bring the chopped liver like my grandma made it. I don't know if she chops it in that wooden bowl like my grandma, but, no. uh, but uh, it is the recipe. Hand chopped, not the Cuisinart. No, um, I remember my grandmother with that bowl, man, that wooden bowl and that weird, that hand chopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with the, the wood handle yeah, and the mezzaluna. Yeah, the, two, yeah, the yeah. two blades like that, chopping those eggs. All right, so you record a few podcasts a week from your garage. Two. And, two in, in Highland Park? Yeah, Highland Park, California. So when you're you're working at home, you're, you're recording the podcast in the garage, you've mm-hmm. got the president coming by or something, Like, are you the type of guy who makes yourself lunch? You have like a little tuna salad and some crackers? Or yeah, like, sure. What's your, what's your daily routine? Well, I, de- I generally, like, if I cook, you know, if I'm in it, uh, you know, and I'm home for a while, I will prepare food that I can sort of stretch out Ooh. for the week, like on a Sunday. Like, I'll do a big thing of greens. Sometimes I'll cook some uh, beans, like brown rice, maybe some quinoa and wow. stuff. Dude, we have uh, salmons. We have a piece in our January issue about that. Like, do your mise en place, as the French would say. Uh-huh. Get all your little components for the week. Sure. And then you can be like your own 
chopped or sweet green one of these salad places and throw in some dressing. Well, that's and it, man. You know, some protein in there. Yeah, like if you steam greens, like uh, like I'll like I do. I, sometimes I do collards. I do eat a lot of kale uh, it, because it's easy. And if you do brown rice or quinoa, I eat pretty healthy generally. And I, you know, I got a fish place now. It's sort of hard to find the good fish in L.A. Oh, go to buy to buy the, the fresh fresh fish. fish. Yeah, yeah. Where do you buy? Where, where, yeah, where do you go? Where is that in L.A.? There's a place called Fish King in Glendale. That you know, it's not cheap, but like, oh, you know, they make a they make a poke, which is Ooh. like like that's hard to find, you know, and a lot of people don't know it. We're, but like, if I go to Kauai, we're doing a, we're doing a poke article. So get out of here. You should come work at Bon Appetit. I should because you're like basically on our wavelength. Yeah. So this like <laughs> Fish King does a poke. They do a couple. They do a uh, tuna poke, they do sometimes they do a yellowtail poke, sometimes they do like a dynamite poke that I think has a little mayonnaise in it, a little spice to it. But they also do a ceviche, which is amazing. So and, I'll, I'll get a couple of those. And you spent some time in Hawaii. I did, yes. yeah. That's where I got to know the poke. So, what is the hallmark of a quality poke? I think it's just really fresh tuna because I don't think it's that complicated. What is it? There's a bit of seaweed in there, there's some, some sesame oil. Yeah. But there's a place in uh, Kauai, there's a restaurant that does a seared poke, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, and it's like uh, Kendara. What, I don't remember Kendara. I mean, it's it's one of the restaurants on Kauai. It's like a big sort of like um, I think they do the 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 cooking at the table thing, but they do this seared poke, which is amazing. So they flash sear the um, the tuna pieces and yeah. then make it fresh to order, like Nobu would do or something. Probably, yeah. Love it. That's, yeah. All right, so I'm just gonna bounce around here when you when you're recording and and I guess in a podcast like. How much mark do you decide to inject into an interview? Like, what is too much? What's not enough? Well, over time, I've grown to sort of uh, understand more. I think when I started initially, it was really about me, you know, integrating myself both into life, into humanity, uh, into, you know, my business and my community. Like, I I really think I put more of myself in earlier on because I needed to, to, to sort of validate myself. Yeah. But as my style of conversation evolved, I, I'm a little better at empathetically listening, uh, picking places, understanding when people are on their own flow or their own role. But I still interrupt too much, I think, sometimes. I mean, even with the president, it was we, with all the respect that is you know necessary and, and uh, innate for the office when you meet a president that, it, you know, I made it a promise to myself that I would honor who I was and I, what was I going to wear a suit in my garage. <laughs> But it, it didn't take long for me to start referring to him as man and <laughs> and finishing his sentences, which, you know, in retrospect is like, what was I thinking? But that's a testament to him and I guess to what I do, that he's a very uh, kind of um, d- disarming and very human seeming person. Yeah, he's incredibly engaging. Yeah. And uh, uh, and he seemed to go along with it. I'd finish his sentences and he, you know, very rarely did he go like, no, that's not yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> So I was like, all right, so we're on the same wavelength, me and the president. But you sort of read the guess, and then you sort of go, go, go. Look, if there. I have to press, I have to press. You know, if a conversation is not taking off and i got to stay on top of it, I will. It, just because you don't want dead air, and you don't know if people are necessarily going to engage. Yeah. Well, how often um, do you have someone come in? Like, we were talking about, you had Ian McKellen on recently, Sir Ian McKellen. How mm-hmm. often do the guests come into your garage in Highland Park and just have no clue who the fuck you are? And they're like, because their publicist told them to go to this podcast that people listen to it still happens yeah. and I, but i think the, usually if the publicist is you know you know worth their salt they're briefed to a degree uh, and i think that you know episodes like obama certainly m- make a difference yeah. and even if people don't know what it is they know that obama did it uh so they know it's something but i i'd say there's still a good 20 
20 to 25% of people who, who don't, who don't know the show. They may know of me. They may know, you know, it's a, a talk show to a degree, but they don't necessarily listen to it. So yeah, they've been told to go. It's a good thing to do. But, uh, but usually if, if someone is, uh, either insecure enough or curious enough, they'll, they'll go check out what they're getting into <laughs> on the way over. Uh-huh. Sometimes. What, um, so you, you actually, there are regular listeners though. There's a lot of those. Yeah. Oh, like yourself. Yeah. yeah. Like John Favreau came in and he had already plotted out his entire WTF. He was like, all right, okay, now you're going to ask me who my guys are. <laughs> so like, you know, there's definitely, he had, he had his material ready to go. Well, yeah, he, he had produced it in his head. He'd already done it. All right. So you, you had a great time with Keith Richards, who you interviewed here in New York at the NPR studios yeah, yeah. on 42nd street. Did, so did you actually smoke a cigarette with Keith? I did. Yeah. In the, in the studios. Yeah. And that was the first cigarette you'd had in how many years? Been a while. <laughs> I, I wasn't that worried about it, and I in in when they you know when they started running because he had they're done, not they're not that tough at NPR. What are they going to do? Well, I don't think anyone would have done anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, unless you really got a security guy who could give a shit to go do the task, I don't think any of the editorial staff or, or any of the interns were going to necessarily ask him to not smoke. But he smoked it up because he had done uh, morning edition, yeah. I think, before me. And they and there were there were these uh you know people on the staff running around sort of like he's smoking he's smoking <laughs> but no one was doing anything about it and I thought of course he's smoking so you smoked with Keith well yeah I mean uh, yeah I walked in there and and I was and Just... he he threw the lighter at me I took one out because I I do <laughs> I I'm on nicotine lozenges so I'm I'm always pretty loaded up on nicotine but I started handling a cigarette he gave me a Marlboro and he I'm was like, taunting you he was a little bit but then he threw the lighter at me. <laughs> and I and I'm like, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it now. And I knew there wasn't I don't really want to smoke. And I knew I, I was pretty I had plenty of nicotine in me and I get plenty of nicotine from these things. So I didn't really think I was gonna start smoking again, but I wanted to smoke with Keith, so I did. Um It was good. Did he didn't push a drink on you though? No, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. And you've been sober for fifteen, uh, 16 16 years. years. Yeah. What, nah, was, what, what was he? He was drinking orange soda and vodka. I think what he was, was he drinking, drinking orange soda and vodka. I didn't he wouldn't tell me, but I noticed when I was in that conference room where his people were that they had had they had like a couple six packs of sun kiss soda <laughs> and a bunch of uh, vodka miniatures and i'd heard uh, vicariously somewhere that that was his drink all right so you're you still do a lot of stand-up you're on the road um uh you do some press tours like this um when you're at a hotel what's your room service order breakfast Generally, if I'm at, I, I do have like a, a, a weird weakness for lobby waffles, which I don't know is a, <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I will go to, um, where, like, do you, where does one get lobby waffles? Any of the sort of, um, the, the, the comfort inns or the Marriott, uh, courtyards, like any of the places that have a breakfast situation for the, will usually for the businessman who's on right. the go. We'll usually have one of those waffle makers, you know, the Belgian mm. waffle makers yeah. with the goop. You just kind of, you know, pull the goop out of the machine and pour the goop in the waffle and you flip it over and then you get this waffle. And it's hot. It's hot and it's, you feel like you've done something. You've and cooked. What do you put on it? I, I'm weird. Like, I, I don't love syrup, maybe very little syrup, but I'll dip yeah. it. I like it plain. Butter? No, butter. Wow. My, I was brought up to be very frightened of fat. But, you know, so I, I, I am weird. I do have food issues. So whenever I indulge in, in food that is not, uh, you know, on, you know, within the parameters of my fear, I, I do tend to have some weird shame and weirdness about it. But I eat. But I don't uh, just gratuitously put butter on stuff. Yeah, you've, you've talked about some sort of eating it, yeah, issues, but, you know, like eating out of anxiety or this or that. Like, what's your go-to, like, 
screw it, I'm going to chow down on so-and-so tonight, you know, whether it's takeout Chinese or Indian or like, what would you sort of go to town on? Well, I mean, I like I eat better than I think I do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I do have slightly high cholesterol, which has made me a little more aware of things. I mean, my guilty pleasures, you know, when I'm in it, when I'm on a sugar tear or ice cream and I'll eat pie, I'll eat, you know, some cake. Uh, but um, but I like I have to be careful of that because I have a compulsive personality, I have an addictive personality. So if I eat like over Thanksgiving, I'm still pulling back from that. Like this morning, like I'd gotten off sugar pretty well. I wasn't doing it because I'm trying to, you know, you know, get into a little bit of shape for the TV show. But then when you go to Thanksgiving and you eat pie and everything, then the next day my body's craving it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then it just becomes back in my life, you know, and you just sort of justify it. Are you the guy, like, let's say one of these big fancy studios is flying you business class somewhere and they come around with the Sunday. It's a Do you struggle. get the Sunday? It's a struggle. Well, do you get it or do you not if get I'm, it? If I'm in it, <laughs> if, if I'm in the if ice cream. you're in what? In ice cream mode. In ice cream mode. If I'm doing ice cream, I'll do the Sunday. You should get T-shirts made that just say ice cream mode. Yeah, ice cream mode, not ice cream mode. Do you feel 52? No. Like emotionally, maturity-wise, or physically? We're, Certainly we're, not that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, always, I always contend that like most of us, there's very few adults out there. Most of us are just like aging teenagers. I think we all are. You know, I, I think that there's... I, I'm less worked up about, I don't get as freaked out as I used to about most things. There are certain things that I've decided, you know, confidently that I don't need in my life or I don't like. Uh, there, there are certain things that, like, uh, I know are, are, are not going to be as important as I, they think they, they seem in the moment. Like, you know, I've, I've spent a life of, of anxiety and panic and overreacting. And, you know, once you get a little, get a little, time on that get a few years yeah. behind you and you look back at those things there's there's generally the consensus is like what the fuck was i so freaked out about <laughs> you know how much has the success i guess that's wisdom yeah i mean yeah age just don't care anymore how much has the success of the podcast helped you sort of just calm down and be like a little bit more like cool? immeasurably you know you spend a lot of time as an uh, a pr- creative person trying to do something that honors your creativity and is relevant to others. Uh, and when that happens, it's, uh, you know, there's a big chunk of your, you know, your self-esteem that is either returned to you or given to you for the first time. So, you know, after 20 years, after sort of toiling half my life in comedy, you know, this kind of weird outside of the box thing has brought me uh, a, a great deal of personal satisfaction on many levels and seems to be very relevant to people uh, for a lot of different reasons, and that y- it makes you feel like you've done something, and I think that is uh, a- a- an amazing feeling. So, like I said, I listen to the, the podcast a lot when I was doing my homework for this episode, and I almost didn't want to learn about you mm. in a weird way because when you listen to the podcast, especially if you have those little earbuds inside your head, literally, yeah. it's a very intimate experience. Yeah, and like that's why the medium is so great. And you don't. And what's also cool about it is you don't see the people. So there's yeah. nothing to look at. So you're just you're very focused. And I'm like, all right, I know this guy, Mark, and he's this guy who I talks to me once or twice a week. His disembodied voice. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to know about him as a real person almost, about where he grew up or anything. Like you talk about that in the stuff, but it's like it's an interesting experience getting to know you without actually knowing you. Right. Um, and there's that that sort of faux intimacy, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's all about faux intimacy. And but that's something I, I assume. But that but you but you also have to ach- try to sort of achieve that with your guests, right? You you're every episode looking to connect with them. In I don't a way. know if that's faux intimacy. I think I don't that, know if it's faux, but you know, I guess faux intimacy with my relationship with you, never having met you before until now. I guess I, so. I but I, I mean, maybe it's one sided. Yeah. I don't know if faux is the right word. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think connection does not necessarily have to imply intimacy. I think that that human connection through conversation or through experience of being with somebody uh, is is I guess it's an intimate situation, but you know intimacy is a pretty broad idea. but I, I think that connecting with another person, I guess it doesn't get much more intimate than that, but I think that word has other connotations sometimes. Yeah, they are intimate conversations with people, one-on-one conversations with people that I don't necessarily know. yeah. But yeah, I'm looking for that connection um, and and to have some genuine conversation, some real engagement that's happening in, in the immediate present, like where you kind of lose yourself or lose the sense that you're on a mic and you're just two people engaged. So I, I guess that is intimacy. And I think it's definitely very real. Uh, I don't think it, it implies that we, we have to stay in touch. Have have you have you struck up friendships or more or is it more like oh that was great nice meeting you see ya more of that yeah I mean but I I feel like you know what does that really mean as you get older you know the responsibility of building new relationships of 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 cultivating friendships becomes very difficult as you get older but there are people that you know I met on the podcast that I feel that I can you know reach out to if I if like I the, need like, to like the president. Yeah, we talk a lot. I mean, he keeps texting me today. I'm like, enough, uh, President. I'm, you know, I've got, I've got to talk to this guy at Bon Appetit. Was this on his so, personal yeah. one, or is like his? Of course, I don't no. want to get him into some Hillary sort of situation. No, he's <laughs> never talked to me again. Are you, uh, are you pals with any chefs in LA? Do you go out to that sort of thing, like food scene there? No, no, <laughs> like no. Uh, I, I don't. I, I, you know, I, I tend to only go out if I can eat a meal that I would not be able to really cook myself, and 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 depending on what that meal is. And how unhealthy it's going to be for me. Uh, I tend there's a, a Mexican place right up by my house that is brilliant. There's a lot of like street Mexican food in my in my area, like different versions of that. There's one down on New York called Harache Azteca that makes haraches, which are these Ooh, yes. like you know those? They're like yeah, the kind of the word sandal almost like a right. flat. It's sort a of, flat shoe shaped yeah. tortilla that's got a little more heft than the average tortilla. That place is pretty good for that. But there's a place up on Colorado called uh, Cacao Mexicatessen, which is ge- – the place is brilliant. It's crazy good. Who else? You know, what do I do out there food-wise? Do you, are you are you like do you go to like Moon Juice in Venice or anything? Do you do it? You're know, so far away from a long it's like trip. a it's like a plane ride to Venice. I go to Good Girl <laughs> in uh, in uh, Highland Park, which is sort of um, healthy uh, healthy Asian ish stuff. Uh, brown rice, curries, when some did, when, did, when did you get healthy-ish? Like what I've year? always been pretty healthy. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of how much I'm on the road usually because yeah. on the road I make exceptions. Like, you know, like... <laughs> what, what are your exceptions? Well, I, the exception is, is like if I'm in an area or a region that is known for a cuisine, yeah. I will go find so it. So if you're in the deep south and there's great barbecue to be had. Well, if I go to Austin, I will always drive to Spicewood, which is the other direction than Lockhart. Yeah. I won't go to Franklin's. Wow. I won't go to, I'm not going to wait online no. for three hours for anything. But what if Aaron's like, dude, I love the podcast. Give me a call. Well, he hasn't down. stepped up yet. <laughs> well, I will, I will, I'm going to text Aaron Franklin. Yeah, you better. Because <laughs> uh, I've never eaten his brisket and I'm actually against it. Well, yeah, you got me hungry. 
Well, Mark, thanks for stopping by. We've got the special more later coming on, when is it? Epics. It's on Epics, and that's uh, Friday the 4th at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's about an hour and 15 minutes. It's a stand-up uh, show that I worked about a year and a half on. I wanted to do a a, a very sort of like relatively tight for me uh, special in a theater. We uh, shot it at sh- in Chicago at the Vic. Yep. Uh, it was great. Did two shows there. It all came out of that first show, and I got a... You know, me and Bobcat, Bobcat Goldthwait uh, directed it. And we were hanging around Chicago eating some deep dish, you know, mm. at, uh, we didn't go, we went to the, the the standby. Seems like you make a lot of exceptions. I told you, man. <laughs> we went to Malnati's, right, Lou? Yeah, 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 sure, yeah. All right, before we let you go, you're beginning a fourth season of Marin. Yeah, we're IFC, writing that now. IFC, yeah, so that'll be out next year at some point. May. May. And, of- and also the third season of Marin goes up on Netflix December 28th. And Marin is you playing you. Basically. It is. That's, I'm growing the beard to play me with a beard. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. All right. Before we let you go, we have to do our lightning round questions. Mm-hmm. Either or. Mm-hmm. Pretty straight ahead. Mm-hmm. Got to answer them. Okay. All right. Here we go. Okay. Percolator or pour over? Pour over. You, is that what you use at home? Yeah. I use a cone. Cone. Always what, a cone. What kind of beans? Uh, I've moved to medium beans. I was a dark roast guy for a while, but then it just started to taste bitter to me. I, I've been using a, as I, you've mellowed out, you've sort of. Well, it's also it. like you, like I was taught that there was more flavor, and like I, I'm kind of a sucker for that. I drink a lot of coffee, so I, I've moved to medium and light beans. I use a just coffee.coop, which has you know been sending me beans for years. I use some Stumptown. I take a you know, I grind. I have a burr grinder. Oh, cool. I do the whole thing. Whole two percent or skim. Two percent. Healthy mark. Strat or Les Paul? I think in, in, in inherently, innately, I'm a Strat guy, but I just did get my first Les Paul custom, and it has its, uh, it, it does something that only a Les Paul can do, but the Strat is, uh, does, is all magic. A Les Paul is, is just a Les Paul. <laughs> what year of Les Paul did you get? It's a brand new. A brand new one, wow. A brand new black custom. Wow, it weighs like 40 pounds? Yeah. Yeah, those are awesome. Matzo ball soup or potato latkes? I go matzo ball soup usually. I mean, latka has to be pretty right on the money yeah, for is. it to be really satisfying. And not everybody knows how to make those. No. Uh, but matzo balls, uh, uh, like I'll go to Cantor's yeah. and I'll have one of those softball-sized matzo yeah. balls. Like There's no soup in the bowl, just <laughs> <a> giant, <laughs> dense matzo ball. Not the fluffiest matzo ball in the world, but it'll give you a full dose, a year's <laughs> dose of grandma. Uh, speaking of LA, appetite for destruction or nothing's shocking. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah. Basically the same year those two came out almost. Tough, dude. 88 or something. I gotta, wow. Nothing shocking. Really? I will go, I'll listen to that all the way through. Appetite, I'll jump around a little. Well, the thing about appetite is like you hear all those songs on the radio still. It's crazy. I'll be driving around Long Island and I will guarantee that I will hear it. Not a lot of Rocket Queen though. No, that's true. Um, I just listened to Appetite. Yeah. Like yeah, like yesterday, day before yesterday, I listened to Paradise City like four times in a row. Such a well produced record. But like if I put on nothing shocking, we're going the whole route. We're going the whole <laughs> we're run. Going there. In and out or superiority burger? <laughs> Wait, did Matt Sweeney email you? <laughs> no. Is he is he, <laughs> is he invested in superiority burger? Yeah. I just emailed him. I don't know why he's not getting back to me. I knew Sweeney somewhat way back when, when I worked at Time Out. In New Everyone York, knows and, Sweeney. Yeah, and he was, I want to say he was working for Nasty Little Man, maybe, with Steve Martin's. He might have been. Yeah, this was That's dec- right, he might have been. Ago, like yeah, late, I, late 90s. I hear from Steve Martin. He yeah. he, he gets me people sometimes. Um, 
Well, no, I've only eaten superiority burger once. You know, I, in and out burger is great. Like, if I'm going to really, you know, eat shit, I'll eat in and out burger. <laughs> you want a cow. Yeah. All right, a couple more. Juice or smoothie? Well, I generally will do, uh, if I'm going to do smoothie, I'll do it my own mm-hmm. with my uh, Vitamix, oh, yeah. or I'll do it in Hawaii. Uh, juice otherwise. Everything's better in Hawaii. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, they just make those things. Like you yeah. just pull over on the side of the road, and you're like, "You want this thing with pineapple and this and that?" And yeah. I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, yeah. "Oh my god, why can't I get this everywhere?" Uh, I'll make smoothies at my house. Yeah. I have a I have a style of smoothie, but ju- usually juice if I'm just getting stuff. Last question every time: butter or olive oil? Uh, I, I use olive oil almost always. I will only eat butter if I'm like in a fuck it mood, <laughs> and the. <laughs> Making an exception. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if I'm eating bread, like, I like butter, but I don't use it much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Marin. Mark, thanks so much for coming by. Sure. Thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by executive producer Bell Cushion and project manager Carrie Polis with editing by Mitra Kaboli. The theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Oh, <laughs> shit.